Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Man, this this is a little bit different. I'm not used to preaching this early in the service. So I guarantee you folks are going to walk in and go, what did we miss? And we're going to say everything. You just missed everything. So glad you're here. My name is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor at First Christian Church. If you're new, if you're visiting with us, glad you're here, hanging out with family. All day long, we're going to be celebrating, celebrating Jesus, celebrating life, celebrating his hope. And we're going to be doing it with baptisms, a part of the reason I'm doing this message on the front end is because we're going to put a lot of songs on the back end. Uh, We're we're baptizing over 30 people through the services today, and so it's going to be absolutely amazing. Yes, incredible. And like Pastor Josh said, if at any point, maybe it's the message, you, it resonates with your heart that you need Jesus as Savior, as Lord, then we got folks in the prayer room who love to talk with you. And if you're like, hey, I want to show people, this is not just, not just me doing something in my heart, I want to show people that God has made a difference in my life, then we will baptize you today and uh, like I say, send you home wet, just anointed with Jesus and the work that he's doing in your heart and your life. So uh, good stuff that's happening today and it's going to be amazing. Now there is a phrase and there it is. There's a phrase that we always start Easter services with, and it goes like this. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, if that was new to you, if you're shocked that people are actually talking in church, this is like a, a back and forth deal that we do. I do the first part, and maybe 72% of you did the second part. We're, we're looking for at least 98% this morning. So I'll do it one more time, and then you give me the call back. You ready? He is risen. That's what I thought. Uh, He is risen indeed. This has been a tradition uh, in the church that goes back centuries. Centuries on Easter morning, churches have gathered and they've said this statement that he is risen with the response, he is risen indeed. Now, there's actually another piece of this tradition uh, that goes along with this. They used to practice back in the old days, like I said, it's an old tradition. They would say this and they would greet each other with holy kisses, but we are not traditional. So we, we will be nixing the holy kisses this morning and it's COVID. And so, yeah, just yeah, that too. But anyway, so when we say this phrase, like I loved hearing you guys say it. He's risen. He's risen indeed. When we say this phrase, we say it with so much joy and so much confidence. Like my kids were doing it this morning. We were getting up like, he's risen. He's risen indeed. And I'm not just talking about your brother. You know, we're all up and Jesus is up, you know. And we say this phrase about Jesus with so much joy and confidence because it's truth and we know it and many of us have experienced it. But I want to talk about a piece of this story that that might surprise you. And so it's okay to be surprised at church sometimes. And this is going to be one of those mornings. But the disciples, the disciples on that very first resurrection morning had no confidence that he is risen. He is risen indeed. In fact, when you read the story, they are struggling with it. You know, they, they had just seen Jesus crucified on Friday. You do not find them at the tomb on Sunday morning. Some of you guys got up early just to see the sunrise and you drink a little coffee and, you know, and kind of, you know, just a little sunrise moment with you and Jesus, which is amazing. That's not the disciples. They didn't come rolling in. Woo, woo. He said three days, you know, here we are Sunday. Ten, nine, 
eight, seven, six. You know, that feels like the YMCA thing. But anyway, that's another deal. You know, they're not at the tomb counting down, are they? You know, where in the world are these guys? They're back in their homes. They're mourning. They're grieving. Jesus had been crucified. They'd seen it. And at this point in the story, they do not understand. Now, now this struggle, this struggle of belief that these disciples are happening this very first resurrection morning isn't because Jesus didn't tell them. You ever tell your kids something? They just ain't, you know, 10 times. <laughs> no, not your kids, even me. Jen was telling me something 10 times yesterday. And I still was like, hey, so what's going on? And she's like, you do not listen. And so it happens sometimes. Sometimes we tell people things and they're just not hearing it and they're just not, they're not receiving it. Well, that's what happens with these disciples. Jesus multiple times again and again and again told these guys, hey, we're, we're going to be heading into Jerusalem. Hey, when we get there, it's going to be a little crazy. They're going to literally arrest me and they're going to kill me. But, but don't fret, don't worry, because on the third day I will rise Again, he told them all this stuff. In fact, Matthew 16, uh, verse 21 gives us some insight into that. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. So he was talking about this. He was telling them what was going to be happening. And, And so it's pretty clear they were getting information. So why the disbelief? I mean, they had seen Jesus do amazing things. It wasn't like he said this and they're, and they're like, oh, no, no, he can't do that. Yeah, he, he can't do that. And no, not that. Because they'd seen him do amazing things, right? They had seen Jesus heal the crippled guy. You know, the guy that couldn't walk all, you know, but had been laying on his bed. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is, is the friends that brought their uh, paralyzed friend to Jesus and they couldn't get in the house. And so what did they do? They literally tear the roof off. They're like, man, if I can just get my friend to Jesus, Jesus will heal him. And sure enough, they literally go on top of this house. I don't know whose house it was. I really hope they had insurance. But they tore the roof off and lowered that cat down. And Jesus was amazed at their faith and, and, and not only healed the guy, but forgave his sins. And there's a big conversation about that, which was worse, the, the, the brokenness of his body or the brokenness of his heart. Jesus said, man, I'm, I'm going after the big dog stuff. I'm going to heal the brokenness of his heart first and then his body. So they'd seen him do amazing things. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him calm storms. They had even seen him raise a guy from the dead. And, and not a guy that had been a little bit dead. You know, Princess Bride, he's just a little bit dead, mostly dead. No, this, this, this guy was like dead, dead. He'd been dead in, in the grave for three days. And if you know the story, Jesus gets there, you know, after everything has happened. He's in the grave and everything else. And people are weeping and they're crying. And Jesus walks up to Mary and says, hey, hey, I, I want to I wanna go to the tomb. I want to see Lazarus. And they're like, whoa, Jesus, a lot of things you want to do today, but you don't want to go there. He's like, Why? Favorite verse in the Bible, behold, he stinketh. I quote, I quote this to my teenage boy all the time. You know, behold, they stink, you know? And, and Jesus says, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter how dead he is because I have the power to raise him to life. And the disciples were there. They saw all of this. 
So they had no doubt in his supernatural power. That wasn't why they were struggling with this belief. They, they had no doubt in who he was. They knew they'd been tracking his story. They knew that Jesus fulfilled hundreds and hundreds of Old Testament prophecies that Jesus, you know, that were made, you know, where he would be born. Jesus fulfilled that, you know, who his parents would be, their lineage. Jesus fulfilled that. Events that would happen around his life. Jesus fulfilled all those things that were given by God to the Jewish people so that they would recognize the Messiah. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfills. The odds of one man fulfilling all of them, which Jesus did. You ready for the math? My math folks, you're going to get excited. Here's your part of the message that you can just wig out about. One in a trillion, 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 trillion. That's 13 trillions that one man could fulfill all of these things the way he did. So sure, sure, absolutely. You, you can reject Jesus as the Messiah. You absolutely can reject Jesus as son of God. That is your call. That is your prerogative. But you do so in the face of a truth that has been proved at a higher standard than almost any other truth in the world. That's why we say it with such joy and confidence. He is risen. He is risen indeed because we know who he is. We know his supernatural power. But still, these disciples, they struggled. Even armed with this, this knowledge, the disciples were, were no-shows at the tomb. Why? Why? Because we are human beings. <laughs> and no matter who we are, no matter where we are, we are always required to make a choice when it comes to trust and belief. And if you don't believe me, you just, you just go ask the, the parent of a toddler. No one can force another person to do anything. Uh, toddler parents, you, you, you feel me on this? When you your toddler, you know, and they're walking up to the stove, and what do you say? It's hot, baby, don't touch it. And they're like, and then, no, baby, it's hot. Baby, I said it's hot, don't touch stove, you know? And then what do they still do? <laughs> Some of you don't want to out the fact that you might not be the best parents in the world. <laughs> they, they, still, they still touch the stove, you know? I, I, I do that, we do that, why? Because they, they are showing that they have a choice. I get what you said. But I got a choice in whether I'm going to believe it or not. And these disciples are the same way. They're not fully prepared to trust and believe yet. So that's where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 27. And it, it says this. This is the story of, of the resurrection. And we're going to read a few pieces of it this morning. Matthew 27, 57. And when it was evening, this is right after Jesus had died. This was Friday evening. And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, uh, who also was a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus because it was just there hanging on the cross. Jesus had no tomb to go in. And so he says, I have a place that I want to bury him. And then Pilate ordered the body to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in linen shroud. And, and he laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut out of a rock. So it's like a little cave that they're going to put him in. And then they, they rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And watching all of this as Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they were there just sitting at the opposite side of this tomb. 
Can you imagine the emotion? We, we did a Seder dinner with, uh, with our kids, uh, a little Passover connected to Jesus' cross on, on the Friday night. And, and we talked a lot about emotion. What do you think people are feeling, especially back in this, this moment when Jesus, this was Good Friday when we did it, and Jesus is on the cross and all these things are going on. And, and my daughter, my oldest, said, probably dad, shock. You know, just shock. And what's going on? I'm like, you're right. I mean, everyone is in shock over, over what they're seeing. And here's Jesus. He's hanging on the cross. And now they're, they're putting him in the grave. They had just had Passover meal with him on Thursday night. And they're putting him in the grave on Friday. Nothing made sense. These women are sitting there looking, going, nothing is making sense here. How had men killed the very son of God? Even Jesus mentioned the inability of men to do such a thing. His, his words in Matthew chapter 26, just a few weeks before, uh, he said this, do you not know, do you not know that I could just ask my father and call down like 12,000 angels, you know, take care of business? Do you not know I could do that? So you aren't touching the son of God unless he allows it, which is why Jesus would go on to say in that same conversation, but all the things you're going to see must happen so that scripture can be fulfilled. And so you jump to verse 62 and the rest of this story, Mary Magdalene, they're by the tomb, they're sitting there. And then the next day, this is Saturday, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered around before Pilate and said, sir, remember how that imposter said that while he was alive, after three days, he would rise again? The Pharisees remembered and so here they are going, okay, remember what he said? Therefore, order that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. And then the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said, you, you have my guard of soldiers. Take my best. Go and secure it as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting the guard. So even these Pharisees, even these enemies of Jesus remembered what Jesus said, you know, that, that you can put me in the grave, but even death can't hold me there. And so they thought, rock, rock, big rock. We make rock, rock, stop Jesus, rock. That's, that's dudes for you. I'm sure if they had duct tape, duct tape, duct tape Jesus, rock. That would have been the whole deal here. So they put rock, they put guards, they sealed it. That will do the trick. Matthew 28, verse 1, picks up the story. Now after the Sabbath, early Sunday morning, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. They were there that Friday night. They saw everything happen. They were just shocked and stunned. They didn't even have time to prepare the body. They were hoping to go and, and talk to these guards, talk to these soldiers. Hey, can we go in? Can, can we do this thing right? He's buried. He's dead. We have spices now. We have, we're, we're going we're gonna to take care of him. And so they arrive at the tomb to do all those things. And, and behold, when they get there, there's this great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on top of it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He's risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. I love this. 
Jesus said, you know, I could bring 12,000 angels if I needed to, but it only took one, one angel to show up, one, one angel to roll back this tomb, one angel to deal with the guards, one angel to deliver this message. And this angel, I love it, he shows this extreme patience for our journey. This, this could have been the angel that, that ranted and raved about the faithlessness of men. Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you what was going on? Did Jesus not mention this? But he doesn't. He says, hey, listen, I know you're on a journey. I know you're trying to figure out this Jesus thing. I know you're trying to understand. I know you're trying to get all of this in your mind, in your brain, in your heart. Hey, why don't you come look? I was just in there and ain't nobody home. Why don't you just, why don't you just come look and see this? And when you see it, that see that he is risen, go and tell his disciples because they need reminding. I love the heart of that angel, you know, just, he's just saying, hey, those guys are hurting. I see it. Go tell him. Go tell him that Jesus is alive. We're going to jump to how Luke completes this story because he gives us a few more details uh, than Matthew did and some more words that this angel said. This is Luke 24, 5. This angel would say to Mary uh, and a couple of the gals that were there, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here for he's risen. Remember how I told you that while he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified But on the third day, he was going to rise again. And in this moment, verse 8, they remembered his words and they returned from the tomb and they told all these things to 11, the disciples, and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the Mary, the mother of James, and another woman who told these things to the apostles who weren't even at the tomb. But these words seemed to these apostles like an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home astonished at what had happened, still working to comprehend it all. Now, some of you are wondering, you know, a lot of times we focus on different pieces of the story. I'm, I'm focusing on these, these disciples' own personal journey through belief to understanding. You're like, Jim, why, why are you telling me this piece of the story? Really simple. It's this. If you have ever had any doubt or struggle about Jesus, did this happen? Sometimes we don't talk about this in church. You're like, oh, no, no, I, I, I believe everything, 100%, everything, all of it, 100%. Don't strike me with lightning. I don't want to go to hell. You know, kind of, kind of, kind of journey, right? But I want you to know that, that even in Scripture, even in this journey, that, that when we wrestle and we struggle with things in the Bible, when we wrestle, we struggle with these things, that we are in good company. The disciples struggled to get their mind around this too, and Jesus didn't condemn them for it. What does Jesus do? He leans in, helping them take another step, helping them take another step, helping them take another step, slowly opening their eyes to the truth of the resurrection. And I love this about the heart of our God. Some of us are dialed in. We got this. We know that Jesus is alive. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Woo! But I know on Easter Sunday, a lot of us come and come here and we're, we're, we're unsure about this truth. We know our grandmother believed it. We know our parents believed it. You might have a brother and sister that believed it, but you're like, I don't, Jim, I don't know. Did it really happen this way? Is this this the way it unfolded? I'm here to tell you that Jesus is willing to take you on a journey. There's There's no condemnation just because you might wrestle, but Jesus is willing to meet you there and say, hey, go look. 
Go look in the tomb. Go look at the life change in the people around you. Go, go research these scriptures. Go, go study. Go see. See if what I say is true. And maybe for you, you're, you're on the very precipice of that journey. You're here Easter morning just on the edge. Is, is today the day that I embrace this truth of Jesus Christ for my own? Because here's the thing that happens when these disciples did get it, it, t- it took them about a good day or two. Peter, it took him about a week. Jesus had to show up and literally, literally feed him breakfast. And, and Peter just sat back, not eating anything, just watching. And Jesus said, I'm eating. Why don't you eat some too? And he's like, you're, you're real. You're here. I think the reason Peter struggled so much was because he was the one that denied Jesus three times and he was dealing with guilt and he was dealing with shame. What a lot of people deal with sometimes when they walk in church, they think God's going to smite them with this smitey stick of smitiness and, and take them out. And that's not what Jesus does at all. There's no condemnation there. Jesus is willing to meet us where we are and walk us to the truth of who he is. But when these disciples got it, they got it and it changed them. They went from being these fearful, confused, unsure people who couldn't stand up to anyone to this unstoppable force of compassion and truth of Jesus Christ. You know what their message was after this? He's risen. He's risen indeed. That was their message. We live and die, but Jesus flips the script. He died and then lived and offers that new life to each and every one of us. And that, my friend, is a message that the disciples would share over and over and over again from 12 Christianity spread to millions But that message would cost them everything. They would be beaten, they'd be imprisoned, they'd be tortured, they'd be killed. And yet they never once wavered in their words that Jesus is a living Savior. My friend, you can't fake that kind of passion and dedication. If you you need no other truth this morning, then just look at these disciples who who struggled themselves. I mean, these, these are real people, right? These are real men and women who had the same struggles that we do. The, the, the Bible didn't hide that. If this was written by men, I guarantee you, I'd have written, and Peter, James, and John were at the tomb with like party hats and a pinata ready to celebrate Jesus. That's what I would have written. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says these guys wrestled and they struggled and they were unsure. But their Savior, Jesus, showed them the truth day after day, week after week, helping them understand. And when they got it, man, it changed their lives. They had discovered something. (laughs) Actually scratched that. They had discovered someone who would radically change their lives forever. Paul would end up saying this way, the Apostle Paul, his words, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He looked at the life and said, everything, everything, all this is good stuff, but it is worth nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Who would say something like that? Someone who met the risen Lord, someone who had been healed of the brokenness in their life, someone who had been healed of their addiction, someone who had been healed of the, of the pieces that had been shattered around them, someone that, that had their life and their soul reconnected to God. That's who would say something like that. And that same Savior still changes lives today. Jim, how do you know? 
<laughs> I know because you're going to see over 30 of them this morning, at least 10 in this service. Men and women who were celebrating through the symbol of baptism that Jesus is alive. Every time you see a baptism, that is a celebration. Jesus is alive and changes lives. And, and it's teenagers and it's young adults and it's dudes who've been in prison and, and, and it's, it's moms and it's dads and even this service, 72-year-old grandma. You know, these are men and women who've discovered the truth, who are making the same declaration that the apostle Paul makes. Everything else in this world is nothing in comparison to the truth of following Jesus Christ. And so I'm just going to wrap Easter message right here today with this statement. If you don't know him, my friend, today is the day that you get to meet Jesus. You're, you're going to see Jesus all morning long. But today is the day that you can meet him, that, that maybe he's been leading you to take another step and another step, and you thought Easter morning was just a simple thing, but it was another step where God was bringing you into his presence so that you can see he's alive and real and wants to change your life. Jim, how do I have a relationship with him? It's, it's simple. It's, it's simply asking. It's simply just engaging with him. I'll throw a prayer up here if it's helpful to you. Uh, put this prayer uh, behind me and I, I show it to these guys. It is simply saying these words, these aren't words aren't magic, by the way, just my, how I talk to God. Jesus, I'm broken. I can't fix this. That's acknowledging our brokenness. I need you as my savior. I surrender everything, all my life to you. That is a declaration of receiving Christ as your savior. And, and if you don't know him today, make that your prayer. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to have the worship team come up, and we're going to do baptisms. So just as soon as I'm done praying, we'll meet you guys all over here, and we'll do this. We're going to sing about three songs. During this time, if you want to pray this prayer, if you want to go talk to the folks in the prayer room, you let Jesus change your life. Because what do we know? He is risen. He is risen That's what we know. Let's pray. Father, so grateful for your love and your life. If anyone in here needs the words that we wrote that, that we, that Jesus, we're broken and that we need you to fix this, that I'm looking for you as savior, that I'm surrendering my life to you. Father, you put those words in their heart and in their mouth as they surrender you to you today, maybe for the first time, maybe for some in here, that's a, that's a redo. <laughs> Because life has been crazy and messed up. And today is the day they get back on track with you, Father. For many of us, this is a celebration day because we have said those words. We've, we've surrendered our life to you. And every day is a day that we grow in faith. We, we, we're not perfect, but you're not ever looking for perfection. You're looking for people who will simply pursue you through the ups and downs of life. And I'm so grateful that that's who we are. Now in this moment, we get to celebrate that transformation in the lives of so many people. So as we sing, as we watch, you do your work in our hearts and life. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.